Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. You know, this series we've been looking at, this created for purpose. Every week I trace the little baby in my head. Does anyone else do that? Like the line drawing? It's not just me. So that is got my attention and every week I think about this word created for purpose and it really has got me this theme. It's made me question a lot and think about why am I here? Not just to do the day to day, am I right? I hope you think the same, that we aren't just created to do the day to day, although that's part of our life too. Don't get me wrong, but there is more, there's always more. You know, we talk about this word purpose and purpose is a buzzword or was in the church a while ago, the mega church, you know, find your purpose, find your gifts. You know, it was very American. Sorry, Steph, but you know what I mean. (laughs) And for us as Australians, it got to be, oh, here we go again. There's the word on purpose, like prosperity. But purpose, when you look at the actual definition, it's a very, very important word. What it means is it's the reason for which something's done. So why we do what we do or why it's created or why something exists even is our purpose. And you see, if we don't understand this as believers, what our purpose is, the opposite happens. Can I give you some antonyms? I love antonyms. Here's a few. Chance, fortune, accident, casualty, lottery. That's the antonym of purpose. So what that means is if you don't believe in purpose, if you don't choose to walk in your purpose, you're playing the lottery with your life. You're just going through going, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. What will be, will be. She'll be right. Another Australian, um, what do you call it? Not a mannerism, a saying that really isn't great (laughs) when we think about it. So as unique people created by God, we have to understand our purpose, not just understand it, but walk in it. And there's three areas I wanna look at today. You'll probably know many more. These are the ones I thought about and prayed about. Number one, individual purpose. Number two, our common purpose as believers across the globe. And number three, our combined purpose. So what we do here as a church in Awakened City. So I want to look at those. And when we look at those today, we're going to study stories in the Word and that's going to help us recognise, hey, this is what I'm created for. Created for purpose means us just not seeing the purpose, not just understanding it, but actually doing it. So something for us to do today too. Can we pray? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray right now for these words to be yours, not mine. That when I speak, you would take away the rubbish, Lord, the waffle, the camera, that rather it would be you that would speak, that your word would come alive today and take hold, that people would hear your voice and be able to make changes in their life. Thank you for your purpose, Lord. It's what we live for. Amen. You see, God was the first creator. We all know that. We all look at God as an artist, if you like. But the difference between God and an artist is an artist creates for entertainment, for beauty, for other purposes. But why did God choose to create? And I think the short answer is this, for His glory. We see it reflected all through Scripture, that when He created, it was meant to reflect Him, everything He created. It was done on purpose. Nothing God did was by accident. And Scripture backs it up time and time again, that no accidents happened when God was creating the world and creating us. But created for purpose is very, very different for us as people. Sometimes we get a bit mixed up, a bit confused with it. But if His purpose was for His glory, it's easy for us to follow suit in that way, to understand that what we do, our purpose should also be for His glory. So whatever you're choosing to do in your life, if it doesn't line up with Him, His Word, then guess what? It's not His purpose. And I think that's very, very simple, but I think it's easy for us to understand if it reflects our glory, if it's all for us, it's not about Him anymore. And we've really moved across that path onto human purpose only. So I want us to start in Genesis. I want to go right back to Genesis 1, when God began creating. 
So it says here that God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. I could stop right there. God not only created us in His image on purpose, but He created male and female identities on purpose, a very strong gender identity. I could go on, but you know where I'm getting right here, don't you? Okay, let's move down to verse 28 before I get into trouble. Then God blessed them and He said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. I love scurry. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I've given you every green plant for food and for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. And God looked over all he'd made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So we see that God's plan obviously is to make us in His own image. But we also need to understand here that everything else He created was to come under us, that we were to govern it as people and do that well. To understand although we are not God, we come above every other part of creation and we understand that it was created for His glory, but also for us to use in a good way. And I think that's important when understanding purpose, that you're not just flailing around going, oh, look at me, I'm nothing. No, He created you to have dominion over creation. That's the importance He put on us as human beings. You know, uh, His plan was to create in His own image and an image is created to reflect the original, always. But it isn't a clone. So when we think about art, let's think about the Mona Lisa. When you see it in person, it's a bit underwhelming. It's only about that big. But it is beautiful and you know that, hey, that's the original. This is it. But see, there are thousands, maybe even more copies out there, aren't there? And when people copy the original, they're trying to make it as close to the original as possible, to look like it, that people could often be fooled. But you see, when God designed us, He didn't design us exactly the same as clones of each other. Rather, He chose us to reflect Him. And so when I look at you guys, I see different hair, eye colour, I see gifts and abilities, I see ways that brains work in so many different ways. And for me to understand it would be to understand a very complex God, to understand that all of us here reflect Him. But how is that possible? How is that possible? I don't know. It's not humanly possible to understand that a God, one person can be all of us. But that is how it is. And we are encouraged to reflect and become more like Him. But all the while understanding, guess what? We're never going to be Him. We'll never achieve it. And that's hard sometimes to be working towards a goal that you may not achieve this side of eternity. The point of an image is to image. And I love this quote. I won't take credit for it. It's something I've been studying. Images are erected to display the original, to point to the original, glorify the original. And God made humans in His image so the world would be reflectors of God, filled with reflectors of God, images of God, seven billion statues of God, so that nobody would miss the point of creation. Nobody, unless they were stone blind, could miss the point of humanity, namely God, knowing, loving, showing God. That's the nice part. That's what we were created for. We can look at that and go, oh, that makes me feel good. Here's the flip side that was coming. (laughs) Sorry. The great tragedy of the universe is that while human beings were made to glorify God, we've all fallen short of the purpose and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for an image resembling mortal men, especially the one in the mirror. This is the essence of what we call sin. Now, heavy. Sin is our greatest downfall though. It always has been, it always will be. And in regards to purpose, sin is the thing that will distract you, it will slow you down or altogether stop you from achieving your purpose. 
And sin will do so much more, don't get me wrong. We could do a whole series on sin. But for, the, for purpose only, that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to distract you from what God's called you to do. And I'm sorry, there's probably a lot of different ways I could sugarcoat it or make it a bit nicer sounding, but I'm not going to. But I want you to think about today, what stops you from achieving your purpose? What stops you from reading your Word, coming to church, serving in church, going for that dream career, being a good husband or wife, actually being there for your children? What are the things that stop you from achieving your purpose? And apart from a few exceptions, guess what? It's usually going to be sin. The sin of us, of being a human, of looking in the mirror and putting ourselves first and not understanding that we reflect His glory. And to do that means we have to do this life well. So I wanna go to Romans 1.21 and it gets better. If you've read this passage, you'll know where I'm going. Yes, they knew God. This is about people that already knew God. And he's talking about what they chose to do. But they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshipping the glorious ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Let me stop there. We often think idolatry is for the past or we don't worship animals, but guess what? We do worship people. You only have to look at Instagram to understand an influencer, a celebrity. Celebrity pastors or even worship leaders have become the thing for us to look to and become like rather than like the Jesus of the Word. So we do it today. Please don't ever think idolatry is a thing of the past. As humans, we will always idolise what we see to be it at the time. Let's move on to 24. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Yeah, this escalates very quickly. (laughs) They traded the truth about God for a lie. You see, it started off, they questioned God and they made ideas about Him. They exchanged ideas. They became modern and progressive. But now we've got to the point they're exchanging God for a lie. They're just totally doing away with Him altogether. They worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. So you see the slippery slope that's happened? It begins with a bit of confusion, a bit of ideology, a bit of idolatry. And it goes down to serious sexual sin, which God has already said, hey, this is the punishment that can happen. And the people didn't care. They were already on that path and almost too late to turn back. Since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do the things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarrelling, deception, malicious behaviour and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, so they're creative and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. We got through it. But what I want to say with this is, I don't know if you noticed about that list, a lot of those sins on there don't seem like serious sins. Gossip, disobeying my parents, maybe not keeping my promises, 
Things like that don't seem like the big ones, am I right? They're the things that we do sometimes and we make excuses for or say, oh, that's okay. But what God is saying here is when you put all this together and when you start on this slippery slope of sin, guess what? You move away from your purpose and all you're focused on is yourself and making sure life is good for you and you alone. This can happen on a daily basis. The lies we tell ourselves that ultimately stop us from reflecting Him. And that's what lies do. They cover us. They make us seem like we're okay, but they stop us from reflecting Jesus. And people outside see it. We don't, but they see us. They say, well, Christians don't act the way I thought they would. Or Christians don't seem like Jesus, do they? You get these hypocrisies and these questions. It's interesting to me. We're saved. All of us would believe we're saved, but sometimes we are standing still. We are not moving forward in our purpose because of our own sin. So can I challenge you today to look at the area that's stopping you? We all have them. We all have those um, roadblocks, I guess you'd call them. For me, Sunday is a great day for repentance, isn't it? (laughs) Everyone's a bit nervous about that. (laughs) But repentance is not a dirty word. I've said this before. Repentance should be something we're not comfortable with. But yeah, on the road to being comfortable with as believers that we can come to this altar or come to this service and go, you know what, God, I hear you right now. I am a gossip. I better stop it. Help me to repent. Help me to stop this behaviour. I've done it on many a Sunday when I've heard someone preach and I've gone, oh, that hits home for me. What what am I going to do about it now? Please don't see repentance as something that can't be spoken about as a shameful word, something to hide away. No, rather you can say, hey, God delivered me from that sin. I've repented and guess what? I'm walking in my purpose. You know, I don't feel bad when I come to church, but I definitely feel convicted. There's a difference with feeling totally ashamed or feeling convicted of what the Holy Spirit has called you to do. I cannot and you cannot walk in our purpose if we don't recognise the sin we're in. Sorry, but it's impossible to do if we cannot recognise those sins that we're constantly practising, even the so-called small ones. The world exists for the glory of God's grace revealed in the saving work of Jesus. And that is our hope, that all these sins that were listed, we look and we think, how can I do this, God? Look how many things I'm doing wrong. But yet the saving work of Jesus comes in and gives us grace to move into it and to understand that we are human, so we will fall. So although those people in the Bible seemed like awful people, they were human and they were still capable of the saving work of Jesus. Amen. Right, let's move into our purpose. I want us to look at our individual purpose. This is the purpose that God has designed just for you to achieve. And it's not dependent on your spouse, your family, what's going on in church life. It's just dependent on you and what God has called you to do. The best example of this was Jesus. I guess we can use Him for every example, can't we? But you know, go with me. He is the best example for this one in particular today. But He came to earth with the purpose to die. As morbid as it sounds, His death and resurrection were only going to be solely fulfilled by Him. They could only be done by Him. He had people working as part of the plan, don't get me wrong, but there was no backup plan for if Jesus didn't die on the cross. He always was going to do it. He always obeyed His heavenly Father and He came to achieve His purpose. Now, while our purpose might seem a little bit more insignificant, you can thank God for that, that you're not called to die horrible crucifixion death. But what you are called to do is to find your purpose, and accomplish it as an individual. Individual purpose can be found in your ministry areas and your careers. I believe they're both. So you may know that God has called you already to be a worship leader, to be on the service team, to be out in kids' church. You might already know that. Now we all have times and seasons of filling in, don't we? When the roster's lean and we jump in, 
That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the thing that really fires you up. The thing that you could come to do every week at church. You could serve on that roster week in, week out and never get sick of it because it's your passion. It's your God-called purpose. Have you found what that is here? Have you found as an individual what God is calling you to do in ministry life? Some of us would say, oh, well, I'm called to the marketplace. I hear that a lot. And while that's valid, it doesn't get you off the hook. (laughs) Because do you know why? We are called to build His church. And that starts from the inside out. You can evangelise out there, but if you've got nowhere to bring them to, we fall short. So please understand that you may be a marketplace minister. That is awesome. But what are you doing here? How are you reflecting Jesus in the house? What's your purpose here? What have you found that you can do? So am I saying you need to give up a complete Sunday of your time or give your finances or give up your job? No, I'm not. Maybe God will call you to do it. I don't know. But what I'm saying is find what He's called you to do and do it and do it well. Just side note. Church is like a family. Guess what? It needs time. It needs resources and love spent on it to make it flourish. It's the only way the church thrives is through the service of us as volunteers that come together. What is your purpose in the house of God? What is your individual purpose that's separate to your career? So can I ask you to separate it, to say marketplace is one thing. This is what I'm called to do out there. But what am I called to do in here? Because they are separate. One thing I love about church is that there's a purpose or a job for everyone. Your gifts, your talents can be used. We have something for everybody. I'm beginning to sound like a salesman. (laughs) Roll up, sign the rosters. Now I promise you, I don't work for the church as in I've got a roster going, you know, like this is not my job to do. I actually just believe in the power of what we can do together. But you know, your, your gifts and talents that you use out there can very easily be used in here. They sometimes go very beautifully hand in hand. I like to talk, I talk and teach out there and I talk and teach in here. So it works well for me. So there's a good advertisement for serving in the church. (laughs) But do you know what? If we all serve in the capacity that God has given us, the jobs get done and they get done well by the people who are meant to be doing them. Rosters don't get filled by people that don't want to be on kids' church again or are not really the best singer or the best lander or whatever it is. But rather we have the people that are passionate, they get up there and love it and do it well. So can I encourage you if you think, oh, but there's already people serving. No, no, no. Don't be that person. Put your hand up and volunteer to do it anyway. If God's called you, there will be a place for you. So let's move on to purpose in career. Can I just say I'm big on education? Yeah, I know you're going to say, but you're a teacher. You have to say that. I don't, but I like it and I believe in it. So I will say it. Education is important. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about, hey, let's finish school and go to uni. Because a lot of people think that's what education is. But rather, education is about anything that will get you to be able to achieve your purpose in the marketplace. That's what education does. Now, there aren't many of us that will be called to full-time ministry. Sorry to burst that bubble, but most of us will be working out there and serving here on a Sunday. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it means we're meant to be out there fulfilling His purpose. And while we do it, doing the best job we can. To do that, we must be educated. So if you can, upskill. If your job is offering courses, if your boss is saying, hey, can you go and do this? Or there's online learning, be that person that soaks it up. Be someone that champions education for the next generation so that your kids and your grandkids see that, hey, they're a lifelong learner. So am I. There is always room to grow. If you say you've made it in your career, then I would challenge you to say that you're standing still. That's what's happening. Sorry. Sorry, I keep saying sorry. Why am I saying sorry? I believe it, so I'm going to go with it. I don't have the disease that shall not be named. I have a cold. So just put up with a bit of snuffling. 
You know, I've got many students that say to me, oh, you know what, if I don't get a job, it's okay, I can go on Centrelink. It's all right, my family do that. Do you know how many times I've had to teach this idea of Centrelink is a stopgap, it's something while you're getting educated or while you get a job or while you can't get a job, but it's never meant to be somewhere that you sit in. And we live in an area that is cursed. I believe it is cursed with this idea of it's okay to be mediocre or not to achieve or not to work if I don't choose to. Now, my kids have intellectual disabilities and it's hard. They say, but miss, I can't go to uni or I can't do this. I'm like, maybe not, but what can you do? Let's focus on that. Let's make you ready to do that job. Because you see, people without purpose are hopeless. They are dying because they don't understand why they are here. They sit on a couch all day and go, is this it for me? So what I'm encouraging you to do is to break that cycle for you, the next generation, and to understand that it is possible through hard work and purpose, that you can show your children that you can achieve what you want, that God will give you the grace, the brain and the education to do it. Number two, common purpose. And we've gone with our individual purpose. We've asked God to call us in the marketplace, in the ministry, And now our common purpose is as believers across the globe. Now, I don't know about you, but there's many denominations now. We don't agree on a lot, but there's one thing we need to agree on, and that's the Great Commission. The Great Commission should be our common purpose. It should be every believer's aim to make this happen. Let me read it to you. Matthew 26, 18 says, Jesus came and told His disciples, I've been given all the authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples the new commands, to sorry, to obey all the commands I've given you. Be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. That's what our common purpose is. Every believer needs to be on the same page with that and understand that if we're reflecting Him as individuals for people to see Him and be drawn to Him, that's our purpose as an individual, but it's also a common purpose that we all agree on and should be doing on the daily. Anyone can do this. Jesus didn't pick out John and say, you're great with people, you go. Or Peter, you're a good speaker, so I'll let you do this one. Instead, it was a class assignment. It was doable by all. It was relevant for all of them. And so it's relevant for all of us. And as Christians, we need to understand that, that we are all called to evangelise, all called to spread the good news until Jesus comes back. The Great Commission will never change. It doesn't change over time. It doesn't change with the times. Rather, it stays the same. We are called to do this. You know, last year, Christianity had approximately 2.5 billion people saying they were Christians in a world that has about 7.8 billion people. So we've got 35% of the population. When you think about it that way, we should have a lot more influence. But even if we look at numbers and we say, let's put that to one side, numbers are not what is important here, rather the message that we're spreading. So let's get together and be on the same page as common purpose. Lastly, number three, our shared purpose. That's what we do here as members of Awakened City. That's our job when we come to church. So if you're visiting today, if you're here for the first time, those joining us online, welcome, jump on board. We love you to be a part of our family. But I'm gonna go on to this one, assuming that you agree with number two. Are we all on board with common purpose being the Great Commission? Anyone brave enough to say no? (laughs) No, good. All right, I'm gonna assume you're agreeing with me. I love when people agree. Cool, because that means we get to go down to the nitty gritty the work, sometimes the week in, the week out of making our services happen. That is ensuring that our church is thriving, not just surviving, that we don't just pay the bills and turn up on a Sunday, but we're creating an atmosphere here that is God honouring. And not just that, but it's vibrant, it's welcoming for people to come into. 
You see, putting programs and people into place ensure that the Great Commission has a home. What that means is, is that I've done my evangelising work out there and now I can bring them here to a home where they can be mentored, where they can be discipled, that there are people set up ready to go to love people and to make this church a place for them to call home. But that means that we have to have stability and maturity. It means that our lives need to line up with the Word, that we're not just Sunday Christians, that people see us out there and they see us in here and understand we are the same person. Shared purpose means showing up each week ready to serve, to jump in and just pitch in where help is needed, to care for the person that sits alone or perhaps comes to the altar every week for prayer, that same person that you've been called to minister to, to understand that Jesus loves the people that annoy you, the weird person at church maybe, the ones that act a little bit crazy or maybe the ones that lives don't look like your life at all and that is okay. The local church, our church exists for this. So can I encourage you to get on board with our combined purpose? If you're a member here to understand this is what we're trying to do. The people say, oh, you're too gracious, you're too this. No, we are trying to be like Jesus. Please understand that. I want us all to get on board with this. And I'm gonna close with this scripture. I went to a school that was very scripture heavy and we had to look at the old King James. We had to memorise a lot. This one to me was like a hymn and I never got it. I thought it was old fashioned and pointless. But now I do. I wanna read to you Psalm 133. Was it 133? Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You see, that means when we all come together as believers in unity, it becomes like anointing oil. And when anointing oil is beautiful, it smells sweet and it heals. So can I encourage you to be someone that really pushes this idea of unity that when you come as a believer, you understand that we are a family, we are unified in the good and the bad, that we serve alongside each other, that we pull each other up when we're going through things, that nothing is too difficult for us to get through. Because if we truly reflect Him, that's what unity is all about. Jesus asked us to come together. He gathered His disciples. He told us to share the same purpose. So as the team joined me today, I know a lot of you are probably thinking about, well, what am I meant to do? I've discovered my career. I've discovered my ministry, but the other areas don't line up just yet. Ask God. It's the simplest way to do it. Ask Him. Ask Him, where should I go, Lord? What am I meant to be doing? Who should I talk to? What are my strengths? How can I build on them? I promise you He will answer that every time. He will give you space to serve. But there's some of you here that probably say to me, well, I don't even know God right now. You're talking about how to move past that, but who is this Jesus? Why is He telling me to go and do all these things? So I wanna encourage you, if you're someone that doesn't yet know Him, if you're someone that's questioning everything about your life right now, can I ask you to start to speak to Him like you would a friend, to ask those questions, to ask Him who He is, to search the Word, to find out what it is that God wants you to do and how to have a relationship with Him. You see, a relationship with God is just for you. We talk about individual purpose and that's where we start. Rather than focusing on your purpose right now, if you don't know Him, can I encourage you to develop a relationship first, to really know the person of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.